Hi, I'm Megan Sperline, news editor at The Vedette, the student voice of Illinois State University, and a reporter for WGLT. Welcome to Democracy's Future, a joint project between The Vedette and WGLT News. We hear from the students who will help chart the future of our democracy. On this episode of Democracy's Future, we begin with Chloe Yost, a sophomore history education major from the Chicago suburb of Manhattan, Illinois. Yost is a member of Campus Ministries and ISU's Emerging Leaders program. And as a person of color, she says her conservative beliefs often take people by surprise. In this conversation, Yost says that she believes extreme polarization in U.S. politics is putting democracy at risk. I would say it would... It's definitely getting there. I mean, we we saw it in in 2020. Um, like I I couldn't vote in 2020. I wasn't 18 yet, but um, I definitely saw it. Oh, uh, if you if you like Trump, you're you're this type of person. If you like Biden, you're that kind of person. I'm like, why can't y'all just sit and talk? I didn't have a side yet because like I was like I'm 17. I don't care about politics yet. <laughs> um, but um, you know. Why, why, why do we have to have this idea that because you like this candidate that you're all of a sudden this type of person? Like, no, I can't two of you sit down, have a conversation and be like, this is why I like Trump or this is why I like Biden. Because it, you're not going anywhere saying, oh, if you like Trump, you're, you're this type of person. Or if you like Biden, you're this type of person. You're not getting anywhere. You're not changing anybody's mind. You're, you're actually creating more resentment on the other side whatever that other side is if but you know it's it's not it's i definitely could see it getting worse and that that does scare me a little bit yeah so you mentioned that in the 2020 election you weren't old enough to vote um and that you just weren't really like into politics in general do you plan on voting this upcoming election and is there anything in particular that kind of got you into politics um i do plan on voting um but i would say what really got me into politics was the fact that I did see this giant divide happening and I was like I I don't like that I don't I don't like this huge divide that we have in this country um and I thought maybe if I can have a conversation and maybe break some of the quote-unquote stereotypes you might have about somebody then we can then maybe just maybe we can help create the 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 break that's happening or the divide we can make it closer yeah so then um with the upcoming election or you know in general are there any particular issues um in the united states that you feel concerned about there's a few (laughs) um one thing i have is um one thing that i have a problem with is like when it comes to the education system i feel like parents rights are being stripped away and that's not okay with me Um, because parents do have a right to know what's going on in in the schools what's going on with their child Um, you may not always agree with what a parent doesn't want their child to see or read or whatever but unfortunately that is a parent's decision Uh, some of it goes in religiously like I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter growing up like kids like kids were reading Harry Potter my mom said no I picked up my first Harry Potter book in like eighth grade so And so it's, for me, it's, I want parents to have the rights in in the public school system because what I'm seeing is schools are doing things behind parents' backs. That's that's something that is like, I don't, 
because I, I do have a little sister and the fact that thinking that a school might be hiding something from my parents is like mm, you, you know um but yeah were there any other particular issues you felt passionate about that you want to talk about um this my rough this my ruffle some feathers i'm inc- i am incredibly pro-life <laughs> um i believe that abortion is murder the in the the murder of an innocent child um so yeah if you have any like follow-up questions do you feel like that um stemmed from like also with like your religion i know that's kind of i don't want to like tie the two together but i know they often do go they do go they do go together um i believe that that child was created by god and that nobody has the right to play god basically so you don't get to decide whether somebody lives or dies i'm also very against the death penalty because that's normally another question that pops up when i say that like are you against the death penalty i am i don't believe anybody has a right to decide whether somebody lives or dies um unless you are god himself which nobody here is so um and i know like people on death row have normally done they've done horrible things but it's just the the conscience of i don't believe anybody should say you deserve to die or you deserve to live do you feel that um there's any exceptions um so when it when it comes to rape i understand that that woman is nowhere at fault nowhere am i blaming the woman like i know she didn't ask to be in that situation nothing i'm not blaming the woman at all but at the same time i'm with punish the rapist not the child do not punish the child for the actions of the father and i think supporting that woman emotionally and getting her to a pregnancy resource center because there's a lot of those um that and depending on the research uh the pregnancy center will get you different things uh some of them will give you um like free baby food um free clothes some of them will give you free ultrasounds it depends on the pregnancy center that does different things um and i just believe in helping her emotionally because the reality in here is that an abortion does not unrape her you know the topic of abortion especially with you know roe v wade being overturned is going to be pretty big um in the upcoming election so i'm just wondering if you know your stance on abortion is going to kind of you know not control but you know kind of change the way that you're voting who you're voting for things like that oh yeah um i i understand i may not get a candidate who's completely pro-life but i could maybe maybe if he's it's like um, cause I'm not sure where Joe Biden completely stands, but I know he's for abortion like all the way and I've never been the biggest fan of Joe Biden. I'll be honest with you. Um, so, and then it depends on, let's see, in the GOP, we're between Trump and Haley. So, <laughs> and you know, I'll be honest. I wish all the candidates were different. <laughs> like I wish we didn't have Joe Biden in the democratic circle or Trump in the Republican circle, but or Nikki Haley. Um, that's. I'm gonna be honest. It's like not the best candidates for me, <laughs> completely on either side. And so, but it's like where, where. But that definitely would influence where, who I would vote for. Yeah. Um. Talking along those lines. Um. Are there any particular candidates that you are interested that you feel positively about, or I guess just passionate about in general, pro or con? The one I was really interested in dropped out of the election. 
I was really interested in Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. Um, I I just thought, oh, he's young. He's he's young. He definitely spoke his mind, and he definitely had my interest. And then he dropped out, and I was so sad. I'm not the biggest fan of Nikki Haley. Um, just some of the things she said, um, like something about raising the retirement age to 70. No, thank you. No, thank you. You mentioned that oftentimes, you know, like Republicans, like all political parties, there's certain stereotypes and assumptions about them. Do you feel like um, the stereotypes and assumptions related to being like a Republican or like a conservative, like make it tough for you to feel like you can express your beliefs? Yes, (laughs) it does. Um, One thing that and um, for me, um, when I was people get shocked when I say I'm a conservative because they're like, I've, I've actually been told this, oh, you're black and you're conservative? I'm like, what the heck, <laughs> right? Like, because to me, my skin color doesn't mean anything, right? It's just, I got some melanin, that, that's it. And I, it doesn't say anything about me. Obviously, there are a few things that you can probably look at me and assume I would believe, like black people should have rights, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, I believe that, but... Um, at the same time, it's like how, when when I'm asked, how can you be black and conservative? It's like, well, conservatives typically support the Second Amendment. I support the Second Amendment. Conservatives are usually anti-abortion. I'm anti-abortion. And and um, now when it comes and then people usually bring up Black Lives Matter. I agree with the statement, but the execution was not OK with me. Because, like I said, they were raiding buildings and they were, they were rioting. That's not, that's that's not okay with me. I can agree with that statement all day, but you wouldn't see me at one of those rallies because I didn't agree with how they were were projecting it. And also, I am. Um, it's just I would love to see people just not looking at my skin color, because when the first thing you're asked is how are you black and conservative, it's like why are you looking at my color, my skin color in the first place. Obviously, people are always going to see my skin color. That's reality. But to make, but when people act like it's my personality or it's my deciding factor for things, that's annoying, right? Like, it's just I was I was born with some darker skin. Doesn't say my face. Doesn't say where I stand anywhere. What I'm good at. Nothing. So. It, it does make it harder because I'll get that shocked face, but I'm, I, I'll, I'll just show them why I stand where I stand. <laughs> Chloe Yost says she plans on being a high school history teacher after graduating. You're listening to Democracy's Future. Next on Democracy's Future, you'll hear from a graduate student who was Republican when he first started college, but his views underwent a radical transformation. Stephen Lazaroff is a fourth-year PhD student in the English department at ISU and a native of Orland Park. Lazaroff is active in the ISU Grad Workers Union and an advisor for Club Create. In this conversation, Lazaroff reflects on his political journey, explaining how his once conservative views slowly shifted into something different, socialism and abolitionism. In terms of the contemporary abolitionist movement that I consider myself to be a part of, it comes out of the, the um, you know, kind of original abolitionist movement that we think about in the 19th century, um, fighting to end chattel slavery. Um, however, it continues, 
right? So it comes out of a field of analysis flowing out of W.E.B. Du Bois that said slavery continued under another name after Reconstruction. So um, these group of theorists that I join um, in abolition believe that the problem of slavery still exists for us, and uh, it embodies itself in like white supremacy, the police murder of, 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 of black folks that continues. And, and so abolition today moves further than just saying, well, let's abolish chattel slavery, right? Or let's abolish the prisons or let's abolish the police. It says we need a whole new world because this stuff goes that deep. With the upcoming election, and I guess just like the government in general, are there any particular issues that you're concerned about right now and why? The the main issue for me is somebody on like not committed to Democratic Party politics as the end all be all, but I'm on the left, right? I'm a socialist. I'm a communist. I'm a Marxist. I'm a depends on whatever what I whatever the moment the context demands. But abolitionist first and foremost. My issue is I want people to start getting politically active and not just once every four years or once every two years. So, I mean, that's the main issue for me. I want people to care about fighting fascism, not just every two years or four years, but to see the connections between the fascism of Trump and, it is difficult to say, but the fascism of Biden. Look at the amount of prisoners we have in this country. (laughs) That is an everyday fascism. And I mean, this is stuff that people talk about. Alberto Toscano writes about this. Um, and the long shadow of racial fascism in the Boston Review. Like, these are the roots of our country, and it goes so deep. So the main issue for me is for people to think about politics as something that they do. And that's why grassroots organizing is so powerful, right? Going door-to-door and talking to people face-to-face. But we face big problems. We face the climate crisis. We face houselessness, right? Homelessness. We face... Uh, right, a reproductive justice problem, major problem, where abortion is illegal again. So we face these massive issues, white supremacy, and we need big responses to those big problems. So my my big issue is, yes, people should vote, and I mean, I'm. It's it's such a tough conundrum with with Biden Trump. I, I I'm probably in the minority on that, because I'm because I'm on the left and I'm 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 a Marxist, but like for me, the two of them are not as different. There are a lot of issues with everyday American life that we that we don't interrogate because they're just so natural. <laughs> we take them for granted. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, being on the left, but, you know, like not exactly fitting into like the exact like ideals of like a Democrat. So are there any candidates that you are particularly interested in, either like pro or con with the upcoming election? Do you mean in terms of voting for them? Yeah. Oh, um, no, there's I can't say there's somebody I'm excited to vote for. There's people that I will vote for, but I can't say that I'm particularly excited. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen an exciting candidate in, 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 in a while um, for, in terms of somebody that I could actually vote on. Um, even when I lived in Chicago, no, when I lived in Chicago, I could vote on the older person and a socialist was running for older person there, Daniel Espada, and he won. So that was exciting to me. Because I want to see people in office that actually represent viewpoints that I agree with. And I think, you know, there's a phrase that, that I learned from some old revolutionaries, which is kind of a cliche among some socialists, but they, they say the Democratic Party is a graveyard for social movements. Like, they go there to die. And 
I know that our movements can't die. We need them to continue. <laughs> we need them to continue outside of just politics and, and the hundreds of millions of people that live in this country. How much were you taught about democracy um, in schools or even here at ISU? What were your takeaways? That's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I guess I, I feel like I learned the common sense of, you know, U.S. democracy throughout my entire childhood, right? Like, that's, that's how I became the person uh, that I was um, politically. Because when I, when I came up in the world, I was the complete opposite as, as, I, as I am now. I was a conservative. I was a member of the college Republicans when I was uh, at Miami University 15 years ago, 17 years ago. And so people's ideas change. Like what caused the change in your political views? Like what was the process of like making that change? Yeah, so <clears throat> my tr the transformation politically really began when I went to Miami University and I transferred in there, I'd gone to community college for two years before that, and I transferred in and I was about to change majors from finance to philosophy and I, I was taking a course with a professor um, and she was really supporting me intellectually but also emotionally um, because I was having a really hard time adjusting um, to being away. Uh, my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer. My sister was very ill. Um, at the time and I also felt inferior in my classes because I you know I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't engaged philosophical texts in the same way so I entered those classrooms and I felt really badly about myself and but anyways sh so we, we had these connection and over this month we built it and then this one day uh, this was in southern Ohio right so it's by Cincinnati and I saw a sign for a referendum uh, like supporting gay marriage and at the time I mean I wasn't a bigot you know but I definitely had bigoted beliefs right mainly just because I was uncomfortable and I didn't know how to deal with it so what happened was I became very uncomfortable when I saw that and I then became uncomfortable with my discomfort I remember where I was uh, I was walking down High Street about to turn on to Talawanda <laughs> Avenue um, and I just was, I stopped at the corner and I was horrified by my, by, by my discomfort and by my judgment or my, my movement towards judgment. And I was like, what, what, what would you be judging even, right? Um, but it was a different time back in the mid 2000s. Um, there was a lot more anti-queer uh, anti and anti-gay Hostility. I mean, a lot of states passed anti-gay, anti-anti-gay marriage referendums in 2004, I believe. So, it, it was a different time. But so that's, I remember standing there and saying, "How can you feel this way about this person?" Right? And then later on, the belief came, which is I think the true one, which is that they don't need to be like, no one needs to be a good person to live their life. <laughs> how they want to live their life. But at first, what first struck me was how can I feel this way about this person's choice and how they want to live their life, if it was true even. And th from there, that kind of opened up other stuff, you know? Like a friend read some Chomsky to me, and so he critiqued my stances on U.S. imperialism. And so that chipped away a little bit. 
Um, but it took a, it took it took it took a while. Um, I think the process really was completed or not completed. The process was accelerated with the Occupy movement when I was actually able to put my politics into action and to live those politics and, and to get a real sense of democracy. So what were your Republican beliefs up to that point? Definitely, it was market-based. It was very, very economic. Uh, there were moral issues in there, like gay marriage, um, which was cast as a morality issue at the time. Um, and let's see, so free market stuff, definitely uh, I supported the Iraq war very, not powerfully, very uh, vigorously uh, at the time. I can remember uh, debating the surge. There was this surge that, that was being debated if the number of troops should be increased. And uh, so I, 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 was, I supported the Iraq war. That was a big one. Who was the last Republican that you voted for? It hurts my mouth to say it, but George W. Bush. I don't know if you have like an exact timeline in your head, but like when do you think you like really made the switch where you, you know, stopped voting Republican and you were you really realized like how much your views had changed? It definitely was with the Occupy movement, um, Occupy Wall Street in 2011, because um, it called on me to act on my beliefs for once. And that's something that I had always felt a distance from the ability to act on them because there really wasn't much in the, in the way of political organizing, um, at that time. And, and so when that happened, I mean, it, it, that was a really, really, truly a moment of radicalization for me because I was in Chicago at the time and we had moved from uh, Jackson and LaSalle across from the Fed over to uh, Congress in Michigan. And we were having, you know, we were sitting there and people were putting up tents and people were going to stay there as long as they, as they could. So they were going to take trespassing arrests. And so the question was put to me, I mean, I put the question to myself, am I going to get arrested for the first time? Is this is this and i stayed i stayed i remember the moment when they put the zip ties on because they give you a chance to leave they're like do you want to sit here and and, and trespass and i said yes and they put the zip ties on and, and take, took us all away hundreds of us and um but it was a very radicalizing experience being in like it being in in jail for just 12 hours they put 20 20 of us together in a cell and we just talked for six hours, seven hours. And so putting my beliefs into action really changed things. Stephen Lazaroff says he wants to continue to learn, write, and teach others as a professor in the future. Next time on Democracy's Future, you'll hear from the political parties on the ISU campus, how they are thinking about and preparing for the 2024 election. Our thanks to audio producer Ariel Jones, WGLT digital content director Ryan Denham, and WGLT news director Eric Stock. Please give us your feedback on this series and let us know if there are certain issues you'd like us to explore. Email us at news at WGLT.org. Subscribe to Democracy's Future on the NPR app or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Megan Spurline.